morning. Welcome to your Saturday morning chill and coronavirus daily. What are we, number four? Number five? I can't remember. Going daily all the way at least until Holy Week, maybe through Easter. We'll call it 40 days of crazy, even though it's nothing like 40 days at all. How are you doing this morning? If you've been following the channel, I know you've seen me on, uh, at least that I've been on uh, this week, quite a bit more than normal, just dealing with, I don't know, trying to do what I can for us. Right. I mean, the way I see it right now is just a lot of weird. Wherever you are, <laughs> the last week wasn't normal. Right. And so what I then see is a lot of us saying, this is not normal. Let's do something about it. And I see a lot of individuals trying to replicate the same things and maybe not always doing a good job. What I think we should do is we should all do what we're best at right now and try not to do anything else. Like find the things you're best at, do that and let three weeks pass. And then let's reassess our situation. So what am I good at? I don't know. Making noise with my mouth. <laughs> and, and, and for some reason, you can listen to it and have a conversation with other people on the side, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, my, my plan is not that I want to do daily video at all. It's, it's really demanding, actually, emotionally to try to do. Um, but, but what I want to do is be here with you through this, some stability, something that's not going to change until the mess is over, provided that I'm still alive, right? Uh, just to be here to check in. Okay, that's still happening. Life is going on. It's going to get back to normal eventually. So, And with that, the fact that this happens to be a channel devoted to Christianity, more or less, um, well, that can't hurt either, can it now? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you can get your network TV shows every day if you want right now with all the hysteria that they're going to sell you. Um, but uh, Saturday Morning Show, we're going to be talking about theology for the most part today. Uh, I see there's quite a few comments already just chiming in before things get going. Uh, uh, nothing too, uh, you know, demonstrably needing my response. LCMS Christians is waiting here in East Texas for some real Christian conversation. And uh, Jenna Anna Quinn, a cringe walker, says, lol, lol, a bit of a late start. Yeah, well, it's a, I said last night. I was going to take my time this morning. It must have been a fun, long game night with the kids. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, we played, uh, my, my eldest and I are playing, I, I don't know if I've told you this, like with almost each kid. We have a different two-player game we're playing, although two of them are now coveting Salt and Sanctuary that my son and I have been playing, so we started playing that one as well. But um, I've been playing something called Divinity Original Sin, which has nothing to do with Christianity, even though it totally uses like Christian jargon as like the title. It was a game of the year level, uh, what do you even call this, role-playing, Baldur's Gate style role-playing done well, 2015, something like that. I don't remember. Uh, and they've updated it. So you can play it with consoles now. And so she and I are playing two players. Pretty sweet. They got it set up. So you're in this like top-down Dungeons & Dragons video game environment. And you have a main player, but you can play as a second player with them, another character. And you're on their screen, but then you can actually split screen. And you can go so far anywhere. And you're just playing, you know, with each other. And it's been really interesting to see how the conversation goes because you're having conversations with other characters and yet you're on the same team. So that's been fun. So, yes, we did have a good game night last night uh, in that regard. A bunch of the other kids sat around and watched Aussie Jedi. He knows the game is an amazing game. I'm still having trouble 
it's a bit technical to play this game. And I'm still having trouble really embracing that since we're only playing maybe once every five to seven days uh, with a good two-hour sit-down to play. Um, but it, it seems like it's pretty intense as, as a game. So uh, we intend to keep plucking away at it uh, and really uh, leaning on the story. It gave you like four different modes, right? And we didn't choose the pure story mode. We chose the like, hey, just a game mode. Um, but then there's like the you're going to hell mode, right? And <laughs> we did not play that version of this game so all right uh texas don chimes in with some more here all the icu doctors are f f i can't pronounce this word profil prophylactically hmm. taking the chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine as an off-label use to protect them from catching covid 19 oh interesting i've not heard about that one um we had an issue this morning uh, someone's playing Sea of Thieves. That's cool. Bunch of fun. Uh, we have some issues here this morning where we've got to go with a little one to a doctor for effectively a rash that has nothing to do with COVID-19. Um, and it's interesting how they're managing all of that, but, but we'll, we'll leave that for another time. You guys go ahead and talk about this. I mean, I've been, I've been, um, I don't to say this. I've been here every day saying, throw me comments about uh, coronavirus. But today, today we're doing Saturday Morning Chill. So we're going to jump toward more of the normal here. But you guys talk about what you want to talk about in the comments there. I want to make sure I announce Super Chat is on. One of y'all got Super Chat going midweek, and I felt really bad because right as it was starting, I had to go. I was like, wait a minute, that's income. <laughs> Why am I stopping? I think, in any case, Super Chat is on, and the law of Super Chat remains that I'm going to do everything I can to not miss it while I talk about the stuff you're here for me to talk about. So, um, but, but, if you, especially if you have a question or comment, you Super Chat it, um, that thing has a good chance of interrupting just about everything else. Uh, without flesh, I, I wrote a book. It's still, there it is. You can see it. Yep, right there in the back, along with my other books I wrote, including the one that's been translated into Latvian, which is kind of sweet. Um, without flesh is out. No one's talked about it to me. I've not talked about it to anybody in a week. Wonder why. Isn't that crazy? But it's still there, and I've heard back before everything else was coronavirus, uh, I, I, I heard that um, uh, it was good. It's a good book and could be read. So maybe if you're in Shelter in Place and Amazon is still working and you have nothing else to do, you might consider reading Without Flesh, uh, Why Christianity why the church is dying, even though Jesus is alive. Uh, so uh, also, mm -hmm, mm -mm -mm. remember, ah, oh, yes. I, hopefully this will be the last time I have to say this. This is now the main podcast. Are you a podcast listener? Are you a podcast listener? I am not trying to force you to support Saturday Morning Chill. Please, 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 please. You're supporting everything. If you support me on Patreon, you're supporting everything I do. And Saturday Morning Chill is just the most consistent thing I can link that support to that keeps it like a clock. That's the idea. It is not that you have to listen to Saturday Morning Chill if you don't like it. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. But if you like the other stuff I do and you want to support that, Saturday Morning Chill is just the way the Patreon is going to count that. But the other stuff is still there. You know, I did not put out another podcast this week, and that wasn't because I wanted to not put out another podcast this week. Could you guess? I could do a whole podcast about coronavirus, but then again, I'm going live every day here for you, right? So um, my goal, though, is that the podcast as it once was, i.e., particularly Daniel, particularly Daniel chapter six, that's the one about the lions and stuff, that that is in the works as a not necessarily an hour-long hardcore history-style reality. But I'm not going to promise this any faster than hardcore history, which 
Actually, that wouldn't be hard to do. Like better than once every nine months. I'm pretty sure I can make that one. Although, as I say this out loud, the ghost of Dan Carlin is over my shoulder saying, oh, watch yourself, son. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, so I know there's been a little bit of confusion out there. I just want to make it so clear, right? What I want to do is do the stuff that you guys used to love that I was doing on that show. Um, uh, but I just can't do it every week and have my, my income tied to it. There's just no way. And I can do I can do that with Saturday Morning Chill. So by supporting Patreon, linking that to Saturday Morning Chill as the primary podcast number, you're going to get bonus content of all the other raw style stuff, including interviews and whatnot, is still going to be there, although there may be less of it when everyone's running around like a chicken with their head cut off because, well, it's hard to get things done without your head. <laughs> right? Anyhow, so that's the Shakesy Doozies. With regards to Patreon, it's all kind of over there on the Patreon page. If you have questions, you can send that to the Mad Contact uh, link at uh, riffist.com slash contact. I know uh, Frisbee the Hand's been helpful trying to reach out to people who contact us there and make sure they understand what's going on with all that. But you don't care about all that. What you want is some good stuff, less promotions, more reality. But I got to tell you, the newsletter is still coming out this week. It is there. It will be like clockwork. And of course, you can find everything else at the dot com. Uh, let's go ahead and look at some of your stuff from last week's comment thread as distilled by none other than Frisbee the Hand. Hold on. I got a, I've, oh, I got, duh. What am I doing? You can't see the complete nonsense of an attempt to see something I just did that I didn't have to do. What am I doing though? I'm trying to go to this button right here. There it is. Oh, did you see that? Magic. And then this button right here. There we are. And I can even possibly, hold on. It's got to be a Oh, no, that was not the way. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Let's do it the other way. How about this? Why is it like that? That's weird. In any case, is that too big? Because I can't push it further. This is great radio. This is why they paid me to do radio. It's because even though, actually, I'm not entirely kidding. Even though that was useless information entirely. I never stopped talking and the job got done and you're still listening. That's why. Uh, so we got we got some of your comments distilled from last week's show. Uh, I'm going to pop over to a different page so I can see it more clearly. Productivity. Uh, someone says, At Riffist, too many ideas, too many works in progress. Sounds like a pretty typical writer. I don't know. I don't know. A pretty typical writer that gets things done or a pretty typical writer that dreams of writing? Because that's what I feel like. Even though those three behind me, they should count. They don't count my conscience because isn't that weird? Now, I don't know if this means anything to y'all, but because uh, I think you maybe have to be a pastor to be in this situation in, in conscience. Uh, but but um, yeah, those aren't real books to me somehow. Echo, Broken, and Without Flesh don't count as I get to be called a writer now in my like my psyche. Those are gifts to the church. Those are things I did because I'm a pastor and I care about you, right? But to be the writer that I dream of being, whatever that means, that means writing a fiction book. And that may never happen. It may just never happen. And I've acknowledged that as a pastor, right? I wrote these three books instead, right? Um, and uh, that's kind of a, a strange thing. So I don't know, but it, but it leaves me feeling, you know, with your comment, like all I am is a dreamer. Uh, and I'm not the only one that's not even a very good song at the end of the day. So, you know, <laughs> I appreciate the comment. Ian's Zero is made for man, not man for Buck Zero. Now, that is a sweet comment. That is some solid right there. Uh, because <laughs> you're playing on our Lord wisely, helping us to understand that the law is the design of what is good, that man might relish what is good. 
All right, not not the other way around. That man is made for the law to tell him what to do. Right? That's what sin has made us see the law as. We look at what we're designed to be that is awesome. We're like, oh, I have to do that, and and that's the that's the position we've been put into. And we apply that to everything. So we make everything into every every ought to do becomes an ought to do, right? A should do, and I'm bad if I don't kind of thing. So inbox zero. Yeah, right. It was a law I made up. It's been a law unto itself, and I was afraid the world would fall apart if I stopped. And I'll, I got to say this, America. Listen up. This should be a short clip thrown on Instagram. I got to say this, America. I stopped checking email for a week and a half, and look what happened. I'm not kidding. Coronavirus, shelter in place. It, yeah, I, I'm not going to take credit for it. I don't. I think things are complex. I don't think one man can make this happen. But I will. I will. I will stand trial on this fact. I stopped checking my email about a week and a half ago. I'm sorry, world. I really am sorry that I've done this to all of us. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like in my little private crazy land I'm in. Because it was like, man. So I've been in email, and I'm still inbox zeroing about every week, although in batch. But, uh, but uh, wowie zowie. Yeah, yes. Yes, it has been good to only check the email for reals about every two days. Uh, that, that's been a powerful thing. Via negativity, take things away. It's right. So to get things done, it's not what tools do I need. It's how, many, how much mission creep have I created that I don't see? What do I mean by mission creep? Mission creep, ironically titled, by the way. I wanted to talk about this like last week. Ironically titled. Mission creep is what most Christians do in the name of mission, although that's not the meaning of the term. Mission creep is the guy who pitches you should do all this weird stuff most Christians do in the name of mission, which is also not the meaning of mission creep. <laughs> but that's the irony. It's beautiful. It's a pun from heaven. Uh, mission creep is what businesses talk about when you're trying to achieve a goal and then you see something else that is also good and you think that's good. I'm going to do that too. And you add it to your goal, and you do that again and again and again until your goal becomes this giant pile of goals stopping you from doing the one goal you had. And so you aren't achieving your mission because you have allowed this many mission creep to enter in and distract you from what you ought to really be doing. Learning to see that in your life. Now, forget the business. The company does this. The congregation most definitely does this. And the congregation thinking it's missional is absolutely caught in this. But your individual life easily does this all the time, too. So that panic shopping and mission creep, we've talked about panic shopping already, they're not completely separate from each other, right? Uh, but, but what is the antidote? Via negativa. Take away things to achieve what you desire done, right? It's what, what do I have on this list to do that I actually don't care about getting done? And there's certainly the needs you need to fulfill, your vocations. Absolutely. So that doesn't mean like let grandma die or something, right? Uh, but, but it does mean that maybe some of the things you're telling yourself you have to do are simply things you're telling yourself you have to do and you don't have to do them. And they're things you picked up on because they seemed like a good idea at the time, but they weren't really connected to the long-term reality that you had in mind, right? And so you started to take things away. I've been trying to do it, and then the world fell apart. And so, again, I apologize for causing all of this nonsense. Uh, if, uh, thoughts on what? What are your thoughts on Lars Levi Lestadius? It's a sweet name. That's my thoughts. I have no idea who this guy is. Clearly, you've told me he's a Swedish Lutheran pastor from the 800s? 1800s. 
That would be an easy one, right? What happened there? This happens in the Bible with like uh, copyist errors, precisely this kind of thing, although it wouldn't have involved a shift. But yeah, what, what was that? That was someone hit shift one, right? There's your typo analysis. Also, thanks for your work. Been a ninja since 2013. God's grace and peace on your ministry. Thank you. Yeah, I wish I knew more about Lars Levi Lestidius. He's got the same name as the drummer from Metallica. Uh, he's got the same middle name as one of the sons of Abraham, who also happens to be the father of the priests. And he's got a sweet sound Latin name. And it's LLL. Like, why is he not the godfather of the Lutheran Layman's League? I don't know. Those are my thoughts on Lars Levi Lestadius. I'm sorry, I couldn't give you more, but hopefully it was entertaining. Oh, but there is a link. Dare I? What happens? What happens to the show if I do that? Oh, it did it. It worked. Cool. Is this legal? Wikipedia? Can I do this? Lars Leo Lestadius was a Swedish pastor and administrator of the Swedish State Lutheran Church in Lapland who founded the Lestadian Pietist <laughs> Revival Movement. Well, my opinion is, is less of this guy now. Uh, to help his largely Sammy, I don't know what that means, congregation, who were being ravaged by alcoholism. So, okay, cool. He wanted to stop the problem of alcoholism in the congregation. All right. And so he tried to change their lives. Pietism was a movement usually doing that. Look it, look it. On Wikipedia, the image for pietism is Luther's seal. See, that's a little sum off right there. Um, revival movement, though, increased spiritual interest or renewal in the life of a church or congregation. Yeah, revivalism, a um, little bit of a different thing. In any case, he was also known a botanist and author. That's pretty cool, by the way. Much science coming from, well, Christian, actually, Priests, pastors, monks, yeah. Uh, Lestadius himself became a teetotaler. That is, alcohol is bad. Don't You're not allowed to have it. Except for he did use one in Holy Communion, so good for him. But those who followed in his train, not so much. In the 1840s, when he began successfully awakening his Sami prisoners to the misery and destruction alcohol was causing them, that's great. He helped stem off their alcoholism. Um, I can't say much more about his theology other than that uh, those movements he was involved with didn't go well long-term for Western Civ. I'm going to just say it that way. Um... Oh, interesting. He Why do we have so much on this guy? He met a Sammy woman named Mila Clemens' daughter of Folling. I'm, no, I'm, I'm totally mispronouncing this. Um, also known as Lap Mary uh, in the municipality of Krakum. Okay. She belonged to a revival movement marked by a pietistic and Moravian influence. Yeah, it's getting worse. Uh, led by Pastor Per Brandel of the parish of Nora. Uh, she told Lestidius about her experiences on her important meeting for Lestidius because after it, he said first, you know, so the, secret, uh, oh, the secret of living faith. So, okay, what do I think of this guy? I think this guy is why Sweden's church is completely gone. That's what I think. <laughs> uh, uh, this guy is part of the movements that absolutely ransacked Swedish Lutheranism and destroyed it of any vestige of Christianity within about a generation. So what I would say is while I know nothing about him personally— the Hammer of God is a book that if you haven't read just because it's a good book, you should read for the historical insights of Bo Geertz, a bishop in the Church of Sweden, last Christian-ish almost era and barely hanging on, giving you the history of how these movements, the very ones you're talking about, uh, in, in fiction form, by the way, uh, how these movements, again, ransacked, destroyed Christianity in Sweden. So um, what I would think is this would be the story of accidental mission creep destruction of Christianity through her heresy and heterodox. A little leaven. A little leaven. Uh, leaven is a whole lump. But that's a guess. That's a guess based on what I saw there. So I'm always willing to learn more and be corrected, that kind of thing. But we're going to go back to Culture Gaming Music. Are you excited for Half-Life Alex? You know, I didn't even know about it. And then I got hooked into listening to, I don't even know his name, the guy who owns Valve. Um, I adore the mythology of Valve as an organization. Their handbook 
is the dream handbook. Like if I had to get a job somewhere or could start my own company, that handbook, that is so cool. That is, I can't, it can't be true. It can't actually be that great. So I was very interested to hear the guy talk because I'm like, and especially I saw him and he was like, he was like comic book guy, right? And, and I'm like, this guy has just got to be completely a tyrant in that place. But hearing him talk and hearing the other guy with him talk, like, no, they've got a really cool work environment. So the fact that they're now bringing back a Half-Life game because, as he says it, Half-Life is what they do when they, they want to completely break, like, gaming genre molds. They want to take all gaming to a new level. And they're doing VR with the dang thing. Um, and they because they think it can be something just extremely, extremely immersive. Um, that, yeah, that's exciting. Am I skeptical? Sure. But, they, I mean, again, they're talking about it like they just play it all day because they love it. And the way they talked about in the interview, this was done on IGN, by the way. Uh, the way they did it on the interview... Um, where they were talking about what games they'd played recently. And this is the way Valve works. It's like, if you work at Valve and you decide today, I want to play video games because I think that's the best use of my time all day is just to play games all day. Like you just do it. And if someone wants you to stop, they have to convince you to stop. Not, your, your boss can't tell you. They have, to, they have to convince you it's worth stopping and it's a better use of your time. And that's how that's the, that's the employee handbook thing. It's amazing. I can't believe the comp company works, but well, in any case, it's, it's mythological. Um, so am I excited that that company... With all that kind of crazy, clever, ongoing, mold-breaking reality, I mean, Steam, Portal 2, and then again, Half-Life 2, um, which I never played, by the way. I just saw it. Uh, all of that, and they're going to come out with something now that they think is going to break the mold. Yes, I'm excited. Do I have a, the capacity for playing it <laughs> as a different issue? VR is a whole other beast when it comes to your computer power and all that kind of thing. Um, if I've not heard of Theocracy's music, you should check it out, South Theology and Music. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we shared something in a, oh, I'm not familiar with this at all. Uh, we shared something that somebody else shared with us. I'll pause it. Whoa, oh, pause. That did sound cool. Except it's not coming through. How do I do that? Can I do it like this? Oh, it's just coming through the microphone. Maybe. Yeah, but I'll get, I'll get bumped if I play that. So I can't play that. But, um, that, that sounds, uh, that sounds really cool. Um. We shared some music that was shared with us recently on a, on a newsletter, and it was like a playlist of stuff that was a combination of biblical, lyrical, you could almost call it contemporary Christian, but it wasn't wasn't really my thing. I listened through it a little bit. I got hopeful initially. I'd love a little more hip-hop beat, kind of epic fusion, you know, epic uh, orchestral rock fusion, hip-hop beat, touch of bluegrass, mostly instrumental um, Christian-infused uh, psalmic poetic something like if anybody wants to start that band so I can listen to it you go for it um, I'm pretty picky <laughs> with my music taste these days but I'll check out Theocracy uh, Mandal uh, Mandalorian is a western that is so cool to know I just don't want to pay the money to watch it right now but maybe I should maybe my wife and I should no she hates Star Wars what should I do I don't love Star Wars anymore I despise it too so my kids would probably like it is it for kids can you watch Mandalorian with kids or not Wee TV reminiscing. I can't reminisce about Wee TV. It's gone. Uh, do you still have any Walther shirts? Uh, you know, no. Those were those were on Spreadshirt. Maybe they never came off. Um, you can go look on Spreadshirt. I don't even know if I have that image anymore. I was thinking about getting one for my wife if I had any. Nope, I don't. I I, I am working on in Dreamland uh, having T-shirts that are more new and updated. If you go to my Redbubble, I don't know. I'll try to get this into the newsletter. Uh, my daughter has been making stickers for my Redbubble account that have to do with theology and um not always but more and they're getting good 
And so she's working toward t-shirt level there as well. Um, plus, in-house, we're working on our logo. We'll get our logo on a t-shirt sooner or later. That's all my fault, Frisbee. Oh, I got to get to that. Uh, a lot of Vikings make up a new group of Fiskians. We have a lot of ninjas now, a bunch of Vikings. Right, the Mad Christian is a little Viking-esque. And I, did I did I tell you I'm a Viking? Did I, did I tell you? This is like, I, I was so excited in my midlife crisis to realize I did not have to self-associate my identity with my Germanic heritage, but could in fact embrace my Viking heritage instead, which happens to be both Norse and English because it runs through England. The, my Vikings conquered and stayed for a while and dropped the E off their last name. Uh, and so as a result of this reality, uh, I am a Viking. And I can, instead of having to think about, you know, nutcrackers and Christmas trees with candles on them, I can think about Hats with horns on them and axes and like going across the sea bravely and fearing no thing, right? Except for Beowulf or whatever. And so, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So Vikings is totally my my little dream self thing. I got a I got a uh, super chat here from Gordon says, uh, "Can you put the cool ten sec countdown from your WeTV podcast on your current ones and start your live stream with it?" Do you even still have it, or do you lose the ability when you switch Macs? Now, switching Macs did take a lot of things for me. I bet you it's on my my um, my uh, external hard drive. Uh, if I went digging for it, the question would be learning how to do it. And I've had the plan uh, in order to – I've had the plan to – put front and back end stuff on did i miss that oh for pizza uh, to put front and back end stuff on the show to drop in clips and it's just a matter of learning the program and then putting together the organizational structure to have these items you're probably looking at to do it cool and well 40 hours of work over a month and a half to get it to a place where it would feel cool and i'd be proud of it and I don't have that time. It's just what it comes down to. And so every week it's like, well, I'm just going to push play this week, I guess. You know, I even have a little, a sweet little thing I bought. It's one of the first tools I bought uh, maybe two years ago, a um, year and a half ago. A uh, little, little button tool for switching scenes and putting stuff in. It's, it works so well. I can use it to actually hotkey my computer. But, but yeah. So yes, no, yes, time coronavirus. That's my answer to that one, Gordon. Appreciate the super chat, though. Uh, and then Cafe Sola, thank you. Super chat, it bless you and your family. I appreciate it during this time. Likewise to you, yours, everybody. I mean, by and large, I'm not too terrified of this reality um, uh, going on around us. But at the same time, I do know it's going to impact real lives in real places. I think most of us are going to come through this just fine, one way or the other. Um, <laughs> Joshua... <laughs> Joshua tells me Vikings didn't have horns. I don't know. I see like horns on hats in movies. That's good enough for me. Um, uh, it's going to pass. We're all going to get through this for the most part. Uh, Jedi Knight Anakin comes back with his own super chat. A while ago, you were doing an amazing series, Heroes of the Simul. Do you plan on ever returning or finishing it or maybe publishing the notes? So Heroes of the Simul was a Bible study I was doing. I, I've done it twice. I've never completed it. I'm kind of doing it again with the Old Testament series. So I'm not doing it under that title, Heroes of the Simul, but if you've been following the Old Testament preaching I've been doing, all the sermons bonus on the podcast, you've also been seeing them on the YouTube channel recently, uh, all of that that I've been doing this last year has been effectively an, another angle on Heroes of the Simul. Um, have I ever done it directly at you know that title again? No, not for a couple of years. And again, what you caught and what you've seen was all just we just threw a camera into the Bible study classroom and caught it as best we could, which is why the audio is so bad. So if I were to do something like that again in that way, I would probably um, either need to do it as a podcast series after Judges, uh, after God is judging Daniel and after Revelation is actually done because I just can't do much more until I finish those things. Um, uh, but uh, 
Now, how did that get down here? Where did that come from? Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. But the the concept remains behind a lot of what I do. Uh, and so, yeah, to, to rethink that as its own series would be really cool. And to do that in a in a revelation uh, a revelation unleashed style where I'm just picking off like chief names and telling their story from a similar use as Epicotter um, kind of perspective or or not a perspective focusing on those elements in the text right um, that could be really sweet I love the idea I'm even gonna write it down it would make a great podcast but um. I'm not writing well and talking at the same time. I spelled things really bad. Let's try this again. Heroes of the Simur. All right. Um, yeah, I have to give some thought to that. That's pretty cool. Uh, apparently, Arson Fire, Arson, Arsant, Angel Fire, even better. You had a super chat I didn't even pull in. Where did it come from? And it magically jumped onto my screen? Is that from some other time? I don't even see it in the comments as I scroll back. How weird is this? There's Gordon's, there's Cafe's, there's Jedi Knight, but you're right there. Is this from last time? I'm coming from evangelical... Fist, come on, slow down. I am coming from an evangelical background to Lutheran doctrine. What is the role of evangelism? Yeah, we did this like last time. Has that been on screen this whole time? Oops. <laughs> Thank you for that previous comment from a previous show. So jumping out of the Super Chat world and back into WeTV reminiscing, um, Vikings are cool no matter how you spin it, although they're also as awful and dangerous and wicked as pirates and ninjas. None of this is really good, but of course we're playing in La La Land because it's just fun. Um, Rafisk, uh, you're shaking your paper. I did that on purpose. I brought it back. I brought it back just for that. Um, and Miss the Cats and the Goats. Yeah. yeah. And Pixelated Ninjas. Yeah. And, and, and Strong Bad. Of course, we miss Strong Bad. How could you not miss Strong Bad? All right. So, all right. I'm going to come back to you guys for a few moments here before we maybe go to some of those other questions and uh, just catch a lay of the land, see what else you have here. There is Arsat in this morning. Um, it was from last week, yes, but thanks for reading it again. Question mark. I just don't know how it showed up. Uh, Mrs. Harris says... Uh, unfortunately, that white magic Jesus stuff is prominent even without the crisis. Ah, where is the original comment that brought us to white magic Jesus? I completely agree with you that white magic Jesus is a problem. Is this it? Yes. Uh, Jana says, mainly worried about the teaching to use Jesus for white magic stuff, but nothing about how he actually conquered death for us and gives us forgiveness just channel the power of Jesus to feel how to help your neighbor like Thor. Um, not that we shouldn't help neighbors, just wrong focus. Yeah. Uh, don't exactly know where you were, uh, where that's connected. Ooh, burp coming. Oh, and uh, for some reason, you know what? I'm, I'm tangenting. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to write it down too. Hello, internet land of smart. You gave me some advice when it came to headphones, and sadly, none of that advice really panned out, but you eventually nonetheless pushed me to the Apple uh, AirPods, whether you knew it or not. So I'm going to ask you now, oh, mighty internet, Dr. Google and beyond, through the many hived network of people who watch and listen and share and think and know, um, where can I find a really good, but not $5,000 video streaming camera not made by Logitech God help me, not made by Logitech. And they're awful software. 
and the fact that you can never get their stupid camera to stop autofocusing on you and just give you a straight HD picture that you can manipulate with the other tools you have. So not Logitech. Where can I find a camera to do this show with that I can just have it be the same every time I turn it on and not have to fight it? Does anybody know? Because I have, I'm tired of buying cameras. I really am. <laughs> I'm tired of buying cameras and mics. I think I got the mics and headphones all set finally. Uh, but goodness gracious. So if you know, um, send me at redfist.com slash contact rec for uh, a good streaming camera. I've got the Logitech HD Pro, and I cannot. I mean, is it HD right now? It sure doesn't feel like HD to me. It's better than it was a week ago. Oh, my goodness. And then it keeps autofocusing, and I can't get into the settings because their software. The problem with Logitech is not their hardware. It's their software. Their software is crap. I wish they would just say, we don't make software. Plug it in and, and, it, and use it with whatever other software you want. That'd be fantastic, Logitech. But no. You and Xerox. Xerox. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, hold on. Water time. I mean, why do print companies, HP, same thing. Why do you need that much software to print something? Do you think I really want to use all those tools you made for me that are useless and aren't very good and I bought very expensive versions of them, but you made little cruddy ones that take up extra space on my hard drive and clunk up and get in the way and start up for no good reason and then even make me print to other printers I don't even want to print to? Why don't you just let me use my system software? HP, Xerox. Anyway, forgive me. I don't get it. It's like you've you got whole departments wasting resources building software nobody uses that wastes our time. And what you should be doing is interfacing with what's already there. Like White Magic Jesus. He's already there for you. All you need to do is twist his arm and he'll answer your prayers. <laughs> Just twist harder. He plays hard to get, White Magic Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the belief that prayer is something that God does because of our doing it is deadly. It's a deadly idea. Prayer is God always hearing you when you talk because he loves you. He hears your thoughts. He hears your words. He hears your deeds because he loves you. Now, if he doesn't love you, it's not prayer. <laughs> uh, now it's idolatry. He hears those thoughts too. And those he, he turns a deaf ear to their answer in terms of for your good. Yeah, he will give you what you want for your bad. If you are asking a tree for it, he will let the tree give you what you want. In, in the in the crazy allowances of his omniscience and his letting all things work for the good. But for you who are a Christian, you who are inside of Jesus, every thought, word, and deed is heard by God. And then in that, those which are pulled into the will, the word, the truth, the eternity of his mind, well, those he answers with a mighty yes that's both for your good and for your pleasure. And sometimes he says no for your good and against your pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so being in that situation where we know as children that our father hears us in all things and that he desires us to share because he is working to pull our hearts and minds into unity with his ever perfect will. By all means, we should pray for everyone at this time in extreme and devoted and pious ways. Amplify your prayer life. Like I've been talking about, go get your confirmation verse and start shouting it at the wind. Go start treating uh, everyone around you like people who need to hear prayer and hear the word of God. Huh? Uh, but, 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 don't believe for a moment you're going to twist Jesus' arm to give you what you want. And if we pray a little harder, well, then all this is just going to go away. Um, that's not why it's here. It's not why these things happen. 
There's going to be trials. You know temptations must come. We're going, always going to have the poor with us. This is not a surprise. And to think that somehow it's just a matter of us not praying hard enough to get it to go away. I mean, did the Black Plague last as long as it did because nobody was praying? They had a lot of people praying in the Middle Ages, right? So it's just it just doesn't magically change things. But what it does do is help you struggle verbally to bend your own will into the thy will be done of the Creator. In which case, certainly, right after thy will be done, you start asking for daily bread. Right after you say, you don't have to heal me, you say, can you please heal me, Lord? And we should do that. But you're, th- this white magic Jesus idea is the, if we all just pull hard enough, Jesus has to answer kind of thing. And there was a question last night. I'm going to get to the super chat here from Auntie in just a moment. There was a question last night. It's quite a picture, man. Uh, there was a question last last night, I think, right before I went off, maybe it was the night before, about whether I thought coronavirus was like God's punishment on the planet, right? Or not on the planet, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, on America. Uh, God's punishment on, on our country for things like what? Marriage or the lack thereof. And of course, he had to say homosexual marriage, which I find amazing because we've been adulterers for, for decades now. We have been anti-marriage, philandering adulterers with a massive, a massive pornographic industry, a, a pretty powerful sex trade going on underneath the surface of our country. Uh, in reality, also prostitution, at least legal in, in some places and certainly all, all over the place. But then, uh, I don't know, we take our kids to watch sports games and there's girls dancing like harlots right there with almost nothing on. Wow, it's just the Dallas Cowboys, guys. Wait, what? Yeah, there, there's all that going on all around us for quite a while. And to say that now suddenly, because five years ago, four years ago, uh, we decided that uh, we we're going to ignore a certain kind of adultery as a society, which we weren't ignoring before. Now we're going to trumpet it or whatever. And now we're going to have you know, all these other baggages attached onto it. That this is somehow a step, a step worse. And God would answer this with coronavirus? No, no. No, 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 you can't read the signs, man. You can't do that. Whenever you see somebody on TV, one of these one of these mega Christian guys who's got way more than 85 people, 88 people, with 34 likes, by the way, you guys are lazy poos. I just got to say, if you're watching me and you're not liking me immediately, I don't know why. What's your deal? Come on now. Whenever you see those guys on TV who have significantly more reach than this show will ever have, and they go and they bluster, they bluster about how this is God's judgment on us for this thing. Thing. They think they're prophets when they say this. They're acting like prophets when they say And if they're wrong by even 1%, they are going to like hell for that kind of thing. You are not given to attach God's vindication to anything he has not audibly told you to attach God's vindication to. We know from Scripture already. Thank you for the extra likes and the one negative like. That's great. Uh, we know from Scripture already. Why all these things is this? Virus are here. Viruses, viruses, virusi, viruses, viruses are here because a guy named man tried to be God and broke the universe and sent everything into roiling decay. And so this, whatever viruses were in paradise, I mean, for pity's sakes, I don't know. But whatever they were, they're not that now. Thorns and thistles have abounded. And this goes on and on and is nothing new to us. And we're just caught in the throes. That what Jesus, these are the things Jesus calls the beginnings of birth pains. This isn't the real stuff, man. The wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes. Uh, whenever you see a hurricane come and hit the southeastern part of the, of the United States, this 
is constant, expected for Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which means from the fall of Adam, all of history, nature in upheaval. And as random as the day is long, and yet all according to a plan, which is not about bringing nations down, but about bringing you, Christian, up, every single individual Christian. All of this is that your faith might be strengthened and grown, not that your nation might rise or fall. Nations are just going to rise and fall. If God wants to punish another nation, you know what he usually does? By the way, if you want to get into this, which I don't think is good, you can't. You can speculate that when you live with the design of creation, with the law, your nation will be strong because you're following the way world the world's made to work and humans are going to be happier and just work harder. Uh, so America, the beautiful, maybe a little bit, just barely for once, once in one corner of our history, but certainly not all of us and certainly not the entire country. That ethic, though, it certainly was there. Oh, I lost my train of thought a little bit into, into where that was going, though. Um, uh, bu- 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 oh, yeah, when you, when you follow that design... Of course, it's going to make you stronger. And when you don't, when all your men become weaklings, <laughs> well, you know, you're going to be weaker. How does God in, in history normally send punishments against nations, right? How does he normally do it? Now, now certainly Egypt, you get, get some special plagues and Israel gets like locusts and stuff. But by and large, what does he send? He sends other nations with swords. That's what he does. So if you really want to ask about us being punished for things like our complete rejection of the definition of man and woman, which is far older than four years ago, and most of us who are really mad about homosexual marriage are still not willing to accept the actual diversity of man and woman as taught by the Bible and our congregations. I mean, if you're going to get in a fight over who gets to vote in a voters' assembly, you're completely, completely under the thumb of this movement. So so don't get too high on your horse and blame the world for, you know, oh, it was because of us, the coronavirus come, look how bad we are, but not me, right? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, you can't extricate yourself from this one, right? This one is absolutely all of us in, in Adam. And we as Christians can hardly stand up at this point and say, we've been really good at saying, being so different than the world. Uh, we really haven't. American Christianity is, is uh, atrophied Christianity. The staying power of hardcore Roman Catholicism, hardcore Eastern Orthodoxy uh, for the next millennium, next thousand years, they got staying power. They're going to be here. I can't say that about a lot of American Christianity. I'm pretty sure Lutheranism will be because of its truth, but I don't think it's going to be what we think it is. It's going to be the Confessions, the Book of Concord, but it's not going to be as much uh, Walter Luther worship, I don't think. Uh, Because if we don't get back to Lutheranism as biblical reality, it's got to stop being repristinating. Like like Bob said that Jim said that Charlie said this is Lutheranism, and we're doing that like back through history. So what we're did, getting is not the original stuff, which was Bible reading that gave them the confessions. What we get instead is what? Peeper reading. And I, I think you should read Peeper, right? Uh, Peeper reading, Mueller reading, Kaler reading. Kaler is the commentary on Mueller, which is the commentary on Peeper. Peeper is the commentary on Chemnitz. And Chemnitz is the commentary on the confessions. It's a little bit intense then to take Kaler and say that's the summary of Christian doctrine. I mean, you can. Yeah. If you don't know Kaler, you got you to look up every verse he cites, which is like every phrase in the whole thing. And then maybe you'd get something out of that book. Tough book. Anyhow, so this was not your issue, Auntie. You didn't ask that question from last night. And the guy who did, I don't think he meant poorly. But um, you know what? I didn't even get to your comment yet. <laughs> I'll come back to that still. Uh, but this bit about, it was the white magic prayer stuff and the bit about being able to tell that this is God's punishment on us for specific thing. What we should say is, yeah, this is God's punishment on us for falling from paradise. And on it goes. 
these this valley of the shadow and darkness of death that we've been so this is nothing new. And as Christians, we should be like, yeah, that's why we're not that freaked out about it. That's why some of us are not afraid to have a very careful and completely CDC, WHO mandated, frankly, shelter in place Sunday morning church services. Can be done. Just got to really think out the bo- think outside the box. Some of us don't mind doing that fearlessly uh, because, frankly, th- this isn't going this doesn't surprise us that there are diseases in the world and that we've not managed to achieve a disease-free planet right uh, where this kind of thing can't get to us so if you want to know what my church is doing by the way stpaulrockford.org that's all i'm going to get from you today on that one uh so uh wow uh auntie you're that now i don't know this is that latvia is that finland where is it? Keep up the good work, he says. Your videos are a welcome relief for the weary, tiring to figure out, trying to figure out, right? Trying to figure out how to do youth work for our parish best way possible online. Well, yeah, my videos are probably something you can point them to. Of course, uh, you always got Lutheran satire. You got to be careful. Some people don't always get that, um, but it's hilarious. Uh, you got uh, Wolf Mueller's channel's got a whole bunch of stuff on there as well. I know Chris Roseboro, Pirate Christian Radio, also has some Pirate Christian movie stuff going on. I don't know. I haven't looked at it much. I know he's doing stuff. Um, the Bible Project. Uh, it's a YouTube channel with uh, the, the Bible, books of the Bible. Like, real good exegesis done as cartoons. Totally worth it. I can, I can affirm like 98% of what they say. Uh, it's really, really well done. Uh, so that's something to check out there as well. Finland. Auntie is from Finland. Awesome. Um, I had a, I, it makes me want to ask questions, but I'm not going to, I'm going to leave it at that. So, 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 all right, let's go ahead and try to get some of your, your emails. Go back here. What time is it? Man, I've only been going for 45 minutes. I am exhausted. <laughs> I feel like I just talked the world over. All right. Yeah. 44 minutes. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, I need this button here. This is good radio. Always good radio. Put that back on manual. And get to some of your questions and comments from the website. Pastor Fisk was listening to Saturday Morning Chill. The Assemblies of God had the non-Trinitarian fight early in their history. There's a brief history on Wikipedia. Look for the Assemblies of God USA article. The most notable non-Trinitarian but more false Christ than non-Trinitarian is Bill Johnson of Bethel Church of Reading, California. So yeah, this gets back to that conversation we were having where I had said that Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God, you know, some of them are Trinitarian, some of them are not. And there were some questions about what does that mean? Where is that? So this is affirmation of what I was saying, uh, you know, Apparently, Wikipedia, which is not the end-all, be-all, but references other stuff here, uh, agrees that in its history, uh, Pentecostalism, as it really kind of forms out of the Assemblies of God and then breaks and splinters and a bunch of other stuff, um, but they're kind of the big movement formed out of the Pentecostal revival in Azusa in uh, 19... Was it 18? I forget when that was. Azusa, California. Um, Crazy stuff. It's like Methodism just gone amuck. Um in the midst of that, right, they have had and accepted and allowed non-Trinitarians. Now you're going to say this guy's even more of a false Christ than a non-Trinitarian. So in any case, yeah, it's there. And the point is, like, they're not a Trinitarian body. And so you can't just say all Pentecostals are Christians because they're not. You know, that's the, that's the trick you have with that reality. Um, the phrase is a is a even less meaningful phrase, I suppose, Pentecostal, uh, than Lutheran. 
Yes, Lutheran's pretty bad, though. Rafisk, I want to clarify something about a question you answered on today's 314 Saturday morning chill about whether children should have communion. First off, the top half of the question was cut off for context. The thing I was reading was which prompted the question was the section of the large catechism dealing with the Lord's Supper. The second, uh, at the time I sent the message, I honestly hadn't even heard of communion infants, and that wasn't what I meant at all. Oh, okay. I thought it was implied and understood that in order to take communion, you had to at least understand what it was and be capable of eating and drinking it. My confusion was that many Lutherans make their children wait until long after they can understand the words and eat and drink. Yes. Third, when I said by faith, referring to both baptism and communion, it was straight out of the large catechism when Dr. Luther says, uh, quote, take, talking about communion, as we said above of baptism and often elsewhere, it cannot be received otherwise than by faith. Now see, receiving by faith is different than baptism working by faith. So, yeah. Um, and remember, quoting Luther directly in the English is not quoting Luther directly, just to be fair, if we're going to if we're gonna mince words. But uh, I'd rather not mince words. The point is that faith does not make baptism happen. Rather, baptism is given that faith might receive what baptism says happens. Um, and I think that's a very really important point to emphasize. Uh, so maybe it was poor English. doesn't matter. It's just trying to emphasize the point, right? To understand that distinction, you don't take your faith and put it on baptism, and now baptism works. Baptism works, and then it's working upon you when you are not disbelieving it is faith in what baptism is. Um, that seems complicated, but it really, that makes so much sense. It's like a Lego, think of that like a Lego diagram, putting together the pieces of the Lego. Like, here it is, here's baptism, it has everything, and then faith comes as a result of baptism, right? Um, that that distinction is imperative to your conscience, the battle of your conscience. So, um, uh, Book of Concord, and, and yeah, that probably was the online version, right? Yeah, which... It's always interesting to see, um, that's a little bit of an older version, how that compared to the newer translations go. Uh, it's it's like Bible translations a little bit. Uh, in any case, specific paragraphs. So maybe the large catechism wasn't the best way to talk about it. No, it was great. It was absolutely great. I don't think that you quite quoted what Luther said, You were, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're fine, right? You asked a good question. It led to a good answer, I think. Um, mm, mm, mm. As someone not in the confessional Lutheran circles, I don't really know. Uh, how you guys discuss this stuff. Thanks for answering. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. So so then there was this bit here about why do Lutherans wait, make their children wait so long after they can understand? It's because, I don't know, I don't like this answer because we haven't paid attention well enough in some ways because habits are habits and so they stay that way because once upon a time, uh, there was a belief that until you were of a certain age, an accountable age, and that was somewhere after 12, probably, then you couldn't really make a decision for Jesus. And that kind of thinking, while not necessarily directly adopted by these pietist movements, Moravian movements that we were talking about earlier, uh, they were brought in by the reintroduction of confirmation uh, as opposed to just having First Communion into Lutheran churches, because my understanding is the Confirmation was gone for a while, and then we brought it back. And so it really has a lot to do with pietism and not believing the sacraments do anything and thinking then you need to wait until the kid is old enough to have them really get sold in the conviction moment where they give their heart to Jesus, and then it'll be real Christianity. And if you just start communing them at age eight because they say pious, childlike things, well, that's insufficient. That's the thing the pietists were fighting against in some ways. Um, uh, so th that's why it's just stuck here. We haven't actually ever thought it through. I, I, I've never seen a really clear, 
like historic discussion before this generation discussion of at what point can a human being rightly be said to understand the words of institution at age five, age seven, age four, age one. We've never really had the debate in a public way, or if we did, it's buried in German somewhere and nobody's translated it. Nobody knows it is there. So uh, at the end of the day, then, what that leaves us with is a bunch of people kind of realizing that it's it, there's a problem and it needs to be fixed, but not really sure how to fix it. And we're all on our own. Uh, lowering communion ages in various areas, most pastors that I know who are younger and liturgical are trying to lower it down to fifth or fourth or third or second grade, somewhere in there. But no one's really sure because every time we try to talk about it, we all just shout at each other and have a big fight. And that doesn't really solve anything. And so then guys go back and do whatever they want anyway. So we're kind of in a weird spot with this. But there is no, to my knowledge, there is no biblical argument. There is no good argument for having to commune people at age 12. Just like there's no good biblical argument for waiting until two months later to have your kid baptized. You should baptize your kid right away and then you should get your kid communion. And as soon as your kid's like, I would like to commune, it's like, well, do you know what it is? And they're like, well, it is the body and blood of Jesus for reals. And you're like, well, then I guess you're kind of needing to talk to pastor now, aren't you? Right? That, that, that's my opinion. I don't always practice that as a pastor because I want the congregation to agree in the practice. So I usually adopt their practice and then try to influence it. But in my mind, if the kid is able to hunger for the sacrament and can confess it. Now, if the kid says, well, it represents Jesus. I'm like, yeah, no, you're probably not. Yeah. Think about that one a little bit more, kid. Uh, so, uh, uh, but, but most kids that I, in my experience, they're more willing to believe this at age six and eight than uh, most adults are, honestly. Uh, they certainly get it uh, in a bigger way. So, so yeah, why? Because we haven't thought about it because we're just trapped in history. We've always done it that way. We have a heritage of German culture that confirmation happens after eighth grade and it's sort of like graduation from church. Then you don't even have to go to church anymore. And that's what most of us do. <laughs> it's really bad. It's not healthy at all. And uh, it's not based on our theology, which is what we're trying to help us do here, right? Is always think through and base what we're doing on our theology on knowing God for what God has told his us that he certainly is. Tana gives me a follow-up to a gentle reminder. Oh, that's not totally what we want on. <laughs> Thank you, Tana. I think we responded to that in other places. Uh, you asked for the link about Matt Richards becoming Lutheran quantitative analysis. That sounds like an easy read. It's a good, it's a good read. It's really is. If you're coming out of evangelicalism in any way, shape, or form, you need to take a look at this document. Wasn't sure email was the best way since you're ever email fast, so I went with this. Full thesis, web zoom. There it is. Um, you can find, I'm gonna leave this on the screen here. Um, research path. Pastor Matt Richard dot W-E-B dot W-E-B-S, Pastor Matt Richard dot w-e-b-s dot com slash apps slash blog i think if you just go to pastor matt richard pm notes google pm notes and you can find it all but there it is if you want to put it in the quantitative the lutheran quantitative analysis i almost said surgery surgery uh just feeding pastor fisk just finished reading without flesh great read by the way well thank you i'm new to lutheranism not a new christian and i'm trying to understand more in the lord's supper being for the forgiveness of sins, whereas I always, and probably still do, until more clarification, believe in Christ and the work of the cross, making me fully justified, erasing all my sins. Ah, I, I, yes, I think I know where you are. I'm struggling, you say, with the concept that I keep needing more forgiveness. Hmm. I can't help but feel I am cheapening the cross and not giving what Jesus did on it for me all the credit. 
That's interesting. Uh, it's like I'm saying the cross wasn't enough. Okay, that should probably be with your other paragraph here. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, we need more paragraphs and emails, friends. Just, just, just a head, heads up for all of us. All of us do. Like three sentences should be the max. Uh, I am really struggling with this. I do believe Jesus' presence is in the wine and bread. Mm -hmm. Good, uh, but I'm having a hard time with differentiating differentiating between justification and forgiveness of sins through the supper, as I feel I would then need supper every hour. Well, yeah, it's both. It's both. And it's in the, it's in, the, in the tension between them is where its power lies. Because you don't need it every moment of the day. You need it as often as you can get it. And that's limited by humanity's ability to get it to you. Like as a group of people, we can only get it so often. We can't do it every hour of the day. But we do need it every hour of the day. And we need it. Uh, what it gives us when it gives itself to us is the promise that it's enough in itself this time. Always. Entirely. The whole thing. But then you're like, but I need more. Yes, you do. And that one also will be enough the whole time. You're like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, yes, it does. You don't make sense because you're trapped in a little world in which things like particle physics can't exist, in which you can only have equal and opposite reactions be physical realities and that there is no, say, um, quantum reality and or even macro reality, much less a fourth dimension spiritual reality in which God's just doing whatever he feels like to do do behind what we can see and observe and touch. I mean, if bees can see colors we can't see, what on earth are the angelic realm doing around us at all times? Huh? And so and, and so that's what you're struggling with, really, because what you're saying is that you can't have the justification Jesus did on the cross be the justification he gives you in the supper without it somehow destroying each other. Like, th there's just no, there's no problem here. The supper is the cross. The supper is Jesus' body hanging on the cross. It's also his resurrected body. Is it a different body? It's the same body. It's the crucified body. So what Jesus did on the cross that earned it all, what happened on the cross is he paid for it. It's all paid for. But the supper is where he gives it to you. That's not a betrayal. It's a fulfillment. It's a consummation. It's a marriage for Pete's sake. Consummation as language. Follow the root back to the dictionary. See what that really means. That's what it is. It's the consummation of what he did in death and resurrection for you at the cross. Once for all, action completed. It is finished. Here, now eat it. Eat it. <laughs> eat more of it. Because you cannot get enough of it. You cannot get enough of it. You struggle with needing more forgiveness because you believe he did it all at the cross. He did forgive it all at the cross, and now he comes to give it to you so you might believe it more. So what you're doing is you're saying, I would rather make up my own rule, wherein when I feel guilty, I remember that it was all done on the cross so long ago. I will rest on my memories and my power to remind myself then trusting when Jesus says, I have created a way to my memorial remembrance of me, remind you of this by giving you it again, fully and completely and omnisciently and eternally and infinitely one more time. And you're like, well, that's not, no, no, I would rather just remember without you giving me more Jesus. He's like, but here it is, it's me. And you're like, well, I don't understand it. Yes, this is the point. The point of the Lord's Supper, is we do not understand God, nor should we. 
but he understands us. He designed us. He made us. He created us. He has also bought us back, agoresteta, from the market, redeemed us with a price. That price being himself being one with us now to be our king. And now that king says, you can never have too much of me. And that's what you're struggling with? I hope you feel the love in this. That's what you're struggling with. Too much of Jesus? As I mean, that's, it really is your problem. Like, but that's too much Jesus. I only needed him one time a long time ago. And he says, I have to have him all the time. I don't understand. Then I need him all the time. Yes, you do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism stands and makes you whole. It, it, he has set this up so that you have a tension in which you are forced to trust in his sufficiency without being able to trust in your own sufficiency. And when you rest on my memories of Jesus at the cross as your sufficiency, you're resting on yourself. And what happens is that is a brittle place to be when conscience strikes. And when you are having conscience strike, and the answer is this bread and wine one more time, well, you can't fall. The, the words will not let you fall. Yeah. That's my answer. I hope that helps. You That was an awesome question. That was an awesome question. And I'm really glad you're thinking about these things, uh, struggling with these things. All right. Uh, going back to... More emails. Emails. I just realized like I'm totally blocking the email with my picture. There you go. Uh, Rafisk, uh, since, since Rafisk has repeatedly stated that if it's a bad idea to try to cover to cover read the Bible, I do kind of think that. Um, I think uh, I, I recommend a recommended web... A rec this is not a sentence. A recommended reading order of the books of the Bible could be an awesome resource on the website. It would be. Um, I've always just wanted to find one. I know you can buy them. I've never paid for them. My wife does like a free one, but she has to look it up separately all the time. It's just too much work. So you're right. This is awesome idea. It's um, I. Uh, who's going to do it? That's always the question. I I'd asked on Facebook way back, but got a res uh, and got a response. But I've since lost access to the information. I feel it'd be good to have it posted for the world. Yeah, I. If you just go to like Bible Gateway, you can find these um, chronological order. He goes Bible Gateway, uh, reading lists. I can't speak for any of them, so I really don't want to put them on my website because I can't vouch for them. Something like that would be really cool. I also would love to see an, an edited Bible. Uh, and by that, I mean it's kind of a reader's edition or a, um, you know how they would, uh, what do they call those? Abridged. It'd be really dangerous because you couldn't treat it like the Bible, right? Because it's abridged. It's missing stuff. But just for like being a reader, uh, a devotional reader, to be able to have it kind of chronological, actually the text, but then dancing around that text so that you have it in order and just covering the story and not going into every detail possible. Um, I would find that useful just for daily reading, right? Even though the danger there is that you would have some verses not present. Um, but it'd be like, it's, it's how do you get into it? I feel the same way about the Psalter. I love the Psalter. I know the ordering of the Psalter is highly intentional. I don't know that it's inspired, but it is highly intentional. Uh, and whether it's inspired or not, you got to debate about whether or not post-exilic uh, Jews had the, you know, Maccabean era Jews had the power to to be uh, inspirational in their redacting editing of the Psalms as they had received them. Um, and that's a whole other topic. Uh, the Psalms themselves are all inspired, but their order, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be worth debating. Kind of fun for nerds to do. Uh, but my, my point is like to have the Psalter arranged in a way that like I could access it easily. Oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. As opposed to the, I, when you study those who look at the order of the Psalms, there are reasons why things are where they are, but it's just, 
it, it doesn't really help us use the book, right? Um, so yeah, um, but again, the kind of work that kind of thing would take, Joe, uh, it's just more, it's more than I can do. Um, so it sits there in pious dreamland. Uh, Greetings of Christ for Chris, lifelong Lutheran. One of the biggest reasons I have continued to be a Lutheran into adulthood is I see a uh, few other church bodies would strive to ground their sacramental doctrine in the words of Holy Scripture about baptism and the supper. That's right. That's right. Everyone else is like, well, Rome almost does. I see no other way besides divine revelation to understand what baptism is or what it does. Amen. Uh, I mean, the text says it, but at a certain point, yeah, your heart just has to be pierced by Jesus uh, on the matter itself. Uh, for both of these, there are many clear passages describing, yes. So you got to keep going back to the text itself too. Ultimately, it's not what I think, what you think, or what makes sense is what does it say? That makes a big difference. Uh, he continues, uh, one area where I have some confusion though, is Luther's and Lutheran description of the body and blood of Christ as being, oh, I, God bless you. I hate this question. Uh, in with and under the bread and wine. Yeah, you're right. You should have confusion with that because it's insufficient. Um, I've heard from you and many other Lutheran theologians throughout history that are approached understanding the real presence is to have faith in the clear words and teaching of Jesus. This is my body agreed. Okay, so apparently you're not going to say anything about in with and under here, but in with and under is three counter responses. It's, it's in but not this and with but not this and under but not this. And I don't even know what those other things are. But not in with and but in and with and under do not of themselves describe our position on the matter at all, nor even together do they truly do it. What they do is as counterparts to what they are not saying, they were rebuttals against accusations being made by against us uh, by Calvinists at a certain time. So in with and under can help defend what we mean against what it doesn't mean, but it's not what we actually mean. What we mean is, is. And I know that really drives people crazy because it's like, but that's not simple. But it is because all language is kind of based on it. All language is kind of based on is being is more or less. You can't really have a conversation without it. And so, um, yeah, it, we, we leave it there. So you go on. Uh, most Lutherans correctly, I believe, question attempts to explain the real presence using Aristotle's metaphysical terms Meh. to explain the mystery of the real presence and say they don't want to do further, go further metaphysical explanation. And the way God described the way that this is body, uh, estin, the Greek, right? Many correctly protest if anyone says uh, they teach consubstantiation. Okay, not, not, not sure where you're going exactly here, um, but I'll keep pushing through it. Uh, so my question is this, uh, where do we as people who hold so strongly to not explaining the real presence beyond what the word of God says, get the idea that the body and blood are in with and under the bread and wine? I, I kind of already explained it. They are defenses. So someone said it's this thing and we're like, no, it's this, right? It's, it's. It's not in the bread. It's out of the bread. No, it's in the bread. Um, it's away from the bread. No, it's with the bread. It's beyond the bread. No, it's under the bread. Right? We're, we, that was. Like, it, it's a three-point counterpunch rebuttal. That's where it came from. And it, in that sense, it doesn't come from us. It came from the, the heterodox accusation. It came from Calvinist principles, Calvinist thinking. And it is a reaction against that on their turf, which you, if you know me, you know I'm always saying, let's not fight on their turf because that gives them power. Yeah? Fight on your home turf. Um, so they're not useful, but, but a lot of Lutheran pastors, sadly, they hear that phrase thrown out somewhere where it shows up in like a, a mid-level 1920s or 1950s or even 1980s LCMS document as a phrase. And they just latch onto it as jargon and they just throw it in the air and repeat it over and over again as if that explains everything rather than seeing that there is no explaining this. Um, and, and nothing against those guys personally, I, I think a lot of LCMS jargoning uh, happens without thinking about it. 
And it's because we had a certain system and habit and pattern of running as an organization, uh, as a church body that was supported by certain cultural assumptions. And the more those have fallen apart, the more the signs that were used to, uh, to signify our, our bounding, binding together, namely our jargon, law, gospel, word, sacrament, uh, closed communion, justification, the more those signs begin to water down and become sort of meaningless to us. And, and to some extent, we have tried to keep them by just shouting them louder. And that isn't working. You can't just shout your jargon louder and have people understand it more. It's the other way around. We have to rediscover what the jargon means. So what you're wrestling with here is someone using jargon that you almost never will hear me use. And it's not because I don't believe it's a correct counterpunch to those Calvinist arguments. I do. I just don't think it's very helpful for clarifying anything on a from the Bible ground up point of view. You would never from the Bible teach it is in, with, and under because it never teaches that. You would only do that against someone who said it's outside of the bread. You go, no, it's in the bread, right? Um, it's far away from the bread. No, it's with the bread. Uh, it is far beyond the bread. No, it's under the bread, right? If in that argument, now you're defending orthodoxy. Yeah, but it's not, that doesn't make it a good way to teach orthodoxy. Um, Clearly Lutherans, Lutheran Lutherans don't think it's a contradiction to say this bread cup is my body, new covenant in my blood. And also, no, see, we do see. Yeah. Sadly, they haven't thought it through um, and they don't understand so that by itself in with and under does not. Sorry, I hate this argument. I'm just going to say it again. The whole thing, I have to repeat myself. So hopefully you heard me the first three times I've said it now, right? Um, the, the words don't actually teach us anything. They stop false teaching and that's all they're really good for. Um so what does it mean? Uh, it means is. And if it doesn't mean is, it should not be used at all, basically. Um, hope that helps there. Uh, two guys of wisdom and dust. Uh, I was watching Saturday Morning Chill, Pastor Fisk. I heard you talk about fighting internally about which book to write first. Maybe these aren't the two you were thinking about. But what do you think about having your two kinds of wisdom books show up in dust? Huh. Uh, maybe it's something the main character or another character references. Uh, that's a fun idea. Um it's not the only two books I'm wrestling with. I have one other. If I only get to write, write one fiction book in my life, which one am I going to write? I have two that I, uh, three, five. I have two that I'm really wrestling with right now. And one is dust and I love dust and I really want to write dust. And the other one just has some cool stuff. And maybe I need to be older and have more maturity to, to write that book. It's like an, it's like a pretty crazy idea. Any, any case. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. And the next couple of weeks is going to give me a lot of time to ponder that. I think, uh, my first step right now is to get a day, if I can even do that. I need a whole day, and I gotta. I want to get almost all of my digital writing files printed into paper format, uh, copy format, and then I want to put most of them in a box and not look at them again, and probably delete uh, their digital file or at least bury it in an archive somewhere. Uh, so that I don't have so much to dig through every time I want to try to write. Uh, and then um, then I'm going to try to just do the same thing with dust and do a lot of dust by hand uh, initially. So um, same thing with, and if I can do that, if I can even get that like as a platform going, I think then the two wisdom, two kinds of wisdom, the second wisdom uh, will we'll have a chance, we'll stand a fighting chance, but nothing stands a fighting chance right now. <laughs> Everything's falling apart. Jenny Knight Cringewalker comes back with another super chat. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you're being kind to me today. Uh, let's see. In Ephesians 3.18, Paul uses four dimensions to describe God's love instead of three. Uh, that's usually how I explain it, Lutheran Eucharist. There's a dimension you can't see. I love Ephesians 3, 
And the way you said that, um, I don't know if that all made sense, but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch. Hold on a second here. I'm gonna switch. Brain, come back from the far beyond. I'm gonna switch this over here while I go look that up. Uh, some Ephesians three action. Where are you, Ephesians three? Bibble. Oh, it's all zoomed in too. It's gonna take me a second. I apologize. Ephesians three. Uh, let us zoom out. There we go. All right. Back to you. This will take just half a moment as we. Nope. Oh, that's wrong. And let's get super chat back in here. And there we go. You can see some of it. So Ephesians 3, the idea here, right, is that you used the idea of the fourth dimension to describe whatever is going on in this really bizarre passage from uh, the middle of the book of Ephesians. And it very rarely quoted or looked at, but it is pretty intense because it kind of on the surface and, you know, it's, I think I've looked at the Greek, but it's been a long time. So don't, I'm not going to try to say I know what the Greek is doing here. Uh, but uh, this passage seems to tell us why. Okay, so like if you want to know why did God do this, why did God do that, why why this, why that, with anything, this is the only place in the Bible aside from he loves you, right, uh, which is all over, um, the only place I've ever seen it, like a, an intellectual answer. So maybe I'm wrong, but this one's pretty intense. <clears throat> and so, you know, Paul is talking about his ministry, uh, but and how he is the least of the saints, yeah, I guess we gotta we gotta start at seven, verse seven, chapter three, verse seven of this gospel, the, the one Paul preaches, Jesus is risen. I was made a minister, a servant, according to the gift of God's grace. So God chose Paul to be an apostle. It's a special thing. It was given to me by the working of His power. Yeah, with baptism, Lord's supper, faith, all those things. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, as I don't consider myself very good, this grace was given to me to preach to the nations the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he says, you know, I was a persecutor of the church. I don't consider myself to be anything but a, but barely able to walk into the kingdom. But here is what I was given as my grace until I die, that I get to go to a bunch of pagans who don't believe Jack, and I get to make them believe in Christ by preaching his unsearchable, notice the I don't understand it, riches. And to bring to light for everyone, verse 9, what is the plan of the mystery Hidden for ages in God who created all things. So what's Paul get to do as the least of all of us? To bring to light for everyone the plan of the mystery hidden for ages of God who created all things. Oh, that's a big deal. So that, verse 10, so the plan for the mystery, that's Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ are the, are the plan for the mystery that had been hidden until it was revealed. Death on a cross, Jesus is risen. That's salvation. So that through the church... That is the assembling of people around the snake and the pole lifted up high. Christ preached and, in fact, given to eat and drink through the church. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Okay, so through the church, everyone's going to get to know the word of God. But no, here's where the twist really comes. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, the trick the trick with that, the trick with the heavenly places, I know you can't see everything in the text at this point. Um, how can I fix that? I can go this way. Helps a little bit. There it is, a little bit. The trick with this is, so what the heck are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? Well, every place, this is always referenced. This is re with regard to the demonic powers, the powers and principalities of the age of the present darkness. 
But is that all the rulers and authorities? No, not all the angels became demonic powers. So is it also a reference to the good angels? Maybe. Maybe not. Don't know. Doesn't really explain much. Hence the question, right? Hence the question. Um, it's a fourth dimension thing. Sadly, this is annoying. Hold on. Can I fix this? There you go. Now I can see both. All right. Um, no, I can't. Where is it? Sorry. I'm trying to see your question and let you guys still see the stuff. There you go. You can see it. Okay. Uh, and I got to move it so I can see it because I got stuff in the way of it. Paul uses four dimensions. So this, this fact that there is a realm with powers and principalities in it, beings, personal beings, lots of them that we can't see, you are referring to it as the fourth dimension, which I like to do too, because that's very helpful for my own little, you know, Dr. Who brain to think of it that way, uh, to describe God's love. Now, here's the thing. God's love, is it just his love? Was his, his demonstration of his love? Um, that's usually how you explain the Eucharist. So what you do is you take this idea that there are these powers and principalities in the heavenly places that also are being taught the eternal purpose that's been realized in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and confidence through our faith, access in him to go to the Father, uh, don't lose heart because of me, all that kind of stuff. All of this is showing this fourth dimensional reality of what you're saying, if I'm not entirely mistaken, is that when you talk about the Lord's Supper, you just have to see there's so much more going on there than what you are observing with your eyeballs, right? There's a fourth dimension, and that fourth dimension is the crucified Jesus. He's also risen already. So the act is done, but the body's the same body, and here you go, take and eat, right? Um, I think that's kind of the idea there. Uh, Jim jumps in on Ephesians 3.18, uh, uh, brings to my mind the dimensions of our baptism Grace from Romans 6. Yeah, Colossians 1, absolutely. So time is not something God is constricted by. God created time. He made the days. He made the week. This is why when you go and you say six-day creation isn't a thing, you're kind of silly. He made the week. That's the first thing. Like the whole thing is he made the week. Does the week not exist? Have we been counting wrong this entire time? Isn't it funny? Every civilization in the world follows the week. And that you're like, well, the day doesn't mean day. It means age. The week didn't mean week. Sure seemed to mean week, and it created the week. God made time by week. I'm kind of excited. I um, I bought a calendar yesterday on Amazon. We'll see how good it is. Spent too much money on it. Not a calendar. It is a calendar though. It's a it's a clock. The clock not only changes like the hour, uh, it changes. It says the day, like Tuesday morning, right? Uh. What I really want, be even cooler, be one that didn't just say Tuesday morning. I love it to say Tuesday morning. What I want is a clock. Does anybody, can you find this on the internet? Does this exist? I want a clock that doesn't show any numbers or hours. Okay, so it's not a clock like you've ever seen, but it's tied somehow to the internet. So it understands the rising and setting of the sun. And instead of hours, it shows you dawn to dusk somehow in some really creative, maybe artistic way. And you can see where it's going. Like you can see the arc of the sun in the day. So I know how much daylight I have. So when I wake up, I know how long till daylight. And then I would know how much daylight. And I want to like, I want to see what it's like to live a month like that. And of course, you'd have to have your time for appointments and whatnot. But like, that's how God created life to be, right? I was trying to like experience thinking about that. If anybody knows of that clock, send it to riffist.com slash contact, a link to it. Because I'd love that clock. It's probably like impossible to get. So, so I got the the next b best thing I could find, which again it tells you, you know, it's morning, <laughs> it's, it's evening, it's afternoon. Bigger chunks I can really think about, right? That kind of thing. Mm. 
How do we get on the clocks? I don't remember. Um, why do I feel like everything just got smaller on my screen? Ba 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 ba. Trying to get Josh Chambers over here. Josh Chambers says first breakthrough I ever heard had about feelings was an article written by an Anglican about the Lutheran understanding of salvation. Lol. Uh, Mockingbird guys at all? Is that where that that came in at all, or from somewhere else? Hold on, I'm gonna blow my nose. I'll be right back. And feelings. How did feelings get the comments? You guys are all up in that. It's called a sundial. No, Joseph. Uh, Gutschmidt. Gutschmidt. Uh, no, it's not called a sundial. I don't want it to run on the sun. I want it to be a clock on the wall in my dark bedroom that lights up and tells me when the sun will rise. It's not a sundial. It's a completely different thing. Sundials are cool. Um, I don't want something that runs by the sun. I want something that tells me when I can expect the sun to do. Totally different thing than a sundial. So, uh, although it is kind of cool, sundials existing uh, as they did once upon a time. Think about how clever that was. They figured that out. That's awesome. Uh, bu- 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 uh, yeah, exactly. Stacy knows what's up. That wouldn't tell you till sun when, how long till sunrise and sunset? Exactly, exactly. All right, yeah, good point, Stacy. See, see, I just didn't explain very well. It's probably what happened. So, um, once your feelings go away, Jana says back on the feelings topic, you're left wondering if you're actually saved. Tis the truth. And it's not that the feelings go away; the feelings change. Yeah, and then they teach you how yeah, to get the feelings back. Pray harder. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, been there, done that. Pox on that. Um, uh, worse words than that. Not that. Gonna do that. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, I've been thinking about feelings more recently. I mean, I, the, the chaos that has put my adrenal fatigue into absolute adrenal fatigue uh, of coronavirus is another thing altogether. I have not been able to meditate do mindfulness, anything like that for, for a week now, probably. And I can feel it. I can feel the weight of uh, unresolved tension in my anxiety. It's, it's quite amazing, really. And one of the things that mindfulness has been uh, most interesting to me on is demonstrating experientially the connection between my feelings and my body and my mind, and that these things are not as separate from each other as we tend to pretend they are. So like when you feel sick, not like you got a cold, right? But something happens and you feel sick. It's an emotion you have. But if you stop and you say, where is that emotion? You can find it. It's not in your head. It's not in your chest either. Although sometimes it can be in your chest, but it's usually not in your chest. It's often in your gut, your stomach, your spleen, <laughs> right? Um, but it can also be like in your eyes, your forehead, um, you can find these emotions all over. And so emotions are the body's kind of biochemical response to stimuli. They're really powerfully good thing, but they change based on environment. And so if, if you believe Jesus is the emotion that has been created by an environment, when that environment changes, you will not believe Jesus is there anymore. This is the problem with revivalism. Revivalism uses a manufactured environment to create the impression that Jesus is there through your emotions and then says, trust that, go home, try harder. And this is, this is just terrible, right? But feelings are not terrible. Some of them, we don't like them. They're terrible feelings. But as a whole, they're there to help us understand what our body's dealing with. 
right? So there's a difference between your 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 frontal cortex where you do your logic thinking and your Cambrian cortex where you do your, it's all evolutionary language, but where you do your emotional kind of sending out to the body. Why is it down here? Well, it's connected to the nervous center that's throwing everything out into your limbs, right? And uh, uh, into the extended parts of your body. So that's why your emotions are whole body realities. When you get stressed, when you get anxious, it's a whole body reality. And it goes back into your gut. It goes up into your brain. It starts impacting your words. You can't even see the same way, you know, you get all distracted, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so when you start taking that observation about human reality and start asking questions about faith, what is faith? Is faith an emotion? No. Faith can bring you to many different emotions because faith's going to be receiving the word of God as true. And this will, this will be a stimuli that will give you different emotions. But you cannot let those emotions be the thing that you trust as your salvation. Rather, you have to let the thing that stimulates the emotion, the saving itself, be the salvation. Seems so simple. Let the salvation Jesus does be the actual salvation. Yeah. Um, rather than its result. Sorry about all the shaking of the camera. Rather than the results be the salvation, right? And... Um, but we like to have ourselves be in the center. This is a major Lutheran insight here, that the uh, the curved in on itself psyche of of that you know reptilian sinful Adam mind. It so curves in on itself that um, that all efforts to save us by grace alone become the greatest enemy that we have. We hate grace more than we hate the Ten Commandments. We hate complete forgiveness and full reliance on God alone without anything I can look at myself to guarantee. We hate that more than anything else. So what we struggle against, more than letting go of quote-unquote sin, meaning adultery or, say, theft, is letting go of sin, say, not believing that I can't do anything. <laughs> Refusing to believe I have no part to play in this salvation thing. Yeah, that's that's the big the big piece there. So, uh, how are we doing? Eleven fifty six. What do we got here, Jim Anderson? I think I feel like I have one more. Do I have one more Evernote question to go back to? In the large catechism, Luther says it takes a lifetime to sample and develop our understanding of the limitless. Yeah, more than a lifetime. I don't know that we're gonna really get it until resurrection. Then it's gonna be like, wow, I get it. And then we're going to be, see how it was there for us all along and how little we got it. And we're going to be even more ecstatic about, about it at that point because um, not being able to see it, right? Um, but knowing it's there, the experience now is all faith. When we see that as sight, it's going to be just mind-boggling as a whole. I do have one more email that came through the contacts uh, to throw at you. Look, Super Chat's still there. Uh, Rev Fisk, I'm a member of the Wells contingent of Rev Fisk fandom. Who do you? Um, <laughs> I just don't know. It's kind of like, like, how can you though? How can you? You can't pray with me, but you can let me talk about Jesus. I don't, we got, we got to get this one resolved guys. We got to figure this one out. Uh, I heard you mention you like to have a conversation with Wells. I would recommend uh, getting in contact with the guys that let the bird fly. I did subscribe to the podcast as a result of this email. Um, one of my favorite Lutheran podcasts out there. Topics of conversation very widely. Uh, I am, I am strangely on an anti-podcast kick because I'm in this Luddite mode right now that I've gone into where I just want to leave behind 
all the stuff I have to do on a screen and not touch screens anymore. And that would include even podcasting. So I'm in a car right now. Uh, if anything, I'm listening to music, which is totally new. I haven't done music in a car for ages. Um, but I'm on full retreat a little bit here. Trying again to say no and rethink. But oh, it looks like I have a prescription ready. And uh, <laughs> hold on. My, my good friend will probably appreciate this picture right at this moment. He, he, he probably will hear this sometime in a week or so. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm texting online. That was bad radio. See, you're driving in the car and you're like, why do I listen to podcasts again? I should be listening to music. <laughs> it's noon. And so I think I'm going to call this thing quits, even though what? Is an hour and a half not enough? Do I have to do two for you? Where are you at? I'm hungry. And frankly, what I got to go do now is I'm going to go to my congregation and I'm going to clean probably. And then I'm going to think long and hard about tomorrow and what kind of a special day it is in the history of the church. Uh, one of the things I can share this, I think, one of the things we are doing, and it's one of the reasons we're not stopping um, what we're doing, and it's completely legal. So whatever. Um uh, one of the reasons we're we're doing what we're doing is because we moved confirmation up, because we knew that confirmation, as initially scheduled for Easter Vigil, would maybe not be able to happen the way we wanted it to. We are going to be confirming each of our confirmands, um, <clears throat> who are all prepared. I've met with them all. Uh, we're going to do it this Sunday, one at a time, with their families, so that in the midst of this crisis, they can commune, yeah, and uh, put their faith in action with the firm conviction that combining the crisis with their first communion will have a pretty substantial emotional memory effect on them. Yeah. Uh, as like, we're not going to be afraid of this now. Now I'm not saying every congregation has to do that. That's what we're doing. And so that's what I got to go do now with my day is make sure that's all ready for this very special day tomorrow. Uh, unless we got policemen out there stopping us. I don't think we will. Uh, Cause again, we we're going to be safer than the grocery store. And uh, if you want more information, St. Paul, rockford.org we got it lays it out there what we're doing so oh did you hear that pop that was my chest oh am i still alive after that that was painful actually felt really good i wish i could do it again y'all thanks for tuning in saturday morning is officially over it is noon it's saturday afternoon i will try to be earlier than 10 30 next next time around but sometimes sometimes you just got to do it when you do it y'all um i'll be back tomorrow probably tomorrow afternoon and or evening because we're doing the daily all the time so it's not like you won't hear from me soon if you got questions and stuff you want to share shoot it out right away next time so we get to it right away because uh daily content another thing all together another thing all together hey um hmm. i i feel like i owe you something more what do i owe you i owe you i've already given you my my attention. I've given you my friendship. I've given you my prayers. I've given you the word of God. What more? Um, I want to give you my thanks. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. Who knows where we are, what's going on, but Jesus does. And the fact that you believe that and that that's why you're listening is as much an encouragement to me as I pray I have been an encouragement to you. Through all of it, and continuing on, don't wallow in the muck, my friends. Rock on.